Human beings have neither the oral nor the psychological capacity to withstand the awesome power of God's true voice. Theology unplugged. Hermeneutics. Herman who? The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Theology unplugged. I mean, uh, if God is omniscient, if he knows everything, and he wouldn't be God if he didn't, then he must have known, even before the creation of the world, the names of those who will be saved. Theology unplugged. Only let my errors be proven by scripture. Theology unplugged. Would you guys agree that Christianity is defined so much and it's how we act, but we do have some definite theological markers. Theology unplugged. Please. Hello, hello. Yeah, it's loud. I don't know about the rest of us. Okay, that's good. <clears throat> hello, hello. All right, back I'm at a place to... called Vertigo. Please, back, please back to apologetic unplugged. Now, uh, we ended the last one with yeah. We Are Kantian. Do you know I the Onodos Tres? Catorce! Means John, that? You told John me this once and I already forgot. No, not you John 3.14. I thought it was supposed to be John 3.14. No, this is U2's album. Yeah, yeah. My favorite group. Because he's saying one, two, three. He's day. saying one, two, three. Fourteen. Fourteen, right. And that was that in Spanish. Yeah. Uno, dos, tres, catorce. <laughs> and that was the same album that Yahweh's on. The song Yahweh. Oh, yeah. that's right. And it's it, also it's the a, same a album that uh, I am that I am. Only because of you. And so a lot of references to Yahweh in that album. And Uno, Dos, Cator, uh, Tres, Catorce is the first mm -hmm. testament, the second book, third chapter, 14th verse. And that is where God tells the name, the Tetragrammaton. I am. I so, am and that's, that's I am what I am. Remarkable, I am. all of that rich theology coming from a non-christian oh, oh come, come on, on. that's amazing my goodness all right Man. so anyway we ended the last Woo. podcast with uh what was michael turning into sunday bloody sunday of, over uh, here. I, I he's an irishman about, what's wrong with you i was talking about you're in that i um, love me lucky charms is that good enough <laughs> If you're in the South, sure. <laughs> anyway. Um, and we were talking about fideism. But you ended with we are Kantian. And I say, want to say speak for yourself. <laughs> but well, anyway, I mean, we, we do are, you mean we're living in, the, in with the residual effects of Kant's? We have Would you fideism in our culture, as, as we He's said. He's a giant, yeah. I mean. we, we have fideism as, a, as kind of the default method within our culture. So that is why we as a church are dealing with it so much. And so right. we, you know, we're, we're just, we, we punt to that. We go to that. It's so easy. Not not but us he, sitting he right here. He didn't single-handedly bring about the all. enlightenment. So it's, I think it's, it's uncharitable to Don't to lay it all at his all door, man. Yeah. He, he wouldn't have, uh, he would have probably been highly critical of all this same stuff. You know, of, of the state of, of yeah, philosophy and, and, today. Well, yeah. and, and, and you mentioned the Second Great Awakening last time, and it brought yeah. about you know much more of the emotional stuff. And, and, and I, I also think that on that note, some of the ant, what we'd call anti-intellectualism, the backlash, because Michael talked all about all the uh, the excesses of of the arrogance of of modern modernism, and it's thinking that we can we can should and will achieve all knowledge and solve all of the world's problems. Uh, through our methods and through human reason alone with man, and the with scientific, the armed with the technology and yeah. all of that. But there, that was already reacted to. But the 
the cure overall was as bad as the disease because yeah. now we have the wishy-washy, dishwatery, postmodern way of thinking, which says, which decided at one point, it's uh, foolish and arrogant of man to say we will achieve a ten. I'm, we're talking about on, like on the uh, certainty scale, yeah. but but the result of that is. In its worst, in its worst excesses, the the backlash of that is, yeah, because after all, we can do no better than a one point five on anything, and furthermore, uh, intellectual uh, pursuits of anything is a waste of time and dumb, and so therefore, I think in the church you also have people who sometimes don't want to go that way. It's like uh, I don't know if you guys saw. Some time ago, this thing that went around about the megachurch, uh, kind of seeker-sensitive megachurch guy out in the Carolinas, I can't remember his name now, but he uh, sort of infamously said at a Was conference... Bishop Bullwinkle? <clears throat> <laughs> anyway. To answer your question, Hail to the no, no. it wasn't him. To the no, to the no, 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 no. Anyway, but, it, but, he, but he should be singing that song about this guy. Sure. This guy, actually his name is Perry Noble, I think. Perry Noble, and he was one of these mega church guy, young guy, super hipster church planner. I mean, he was one of these guys with like thousands of people, but but very um, uh, anti-intellectual in the approach. Everything is uh, hipster emotionalism and storytelling, and my journey, your journey, and it's just real. You know, it's like the kind of stuff that kind of just yeah, so, sorry, the gag reflex. But that stuff works. Well, they, well, he recently had to step down. Shocker of shockers. Was it a moral? Because he had, what is it? Yeah, moral he, failure. He had, which pr- is the, the new term for adultery. He had was that problems. What it was? I don't okay. know exactly, but he had issues, and they said he needed to step away. But, but here's what I'm getting at. What made the rounds is he infamously now said in a conference, in talking about this, in talking about people in the church, different types. He talked about what he called, and this is his term, the Christian jackass. You know who that is? Now, I'm not putting words in his mouth. You can look this up. The Christian jackass, he said, that's that guy who keeps saying, I want to go deeper. I want to go deeper. And he said, you know, when he hears that, he tells them, here's what he says to them. Yeah, well, let's see how your tithing is and how deep you're going. In other words, he just he just crapped on the whole idea of, of the person in his church who would say to him, I want to go deeper. Now... To me, this typifies that that postmodern anti-intellectual approach where it's not just that I'm too busy and I can't get around to dealing with the, the, the deeper things. I, as a matter of fact, I'm again them. I don't even believe in all that deep stuff. And if you come to me as the pastor, I mean as the lead teacher, you come to me saying, man, you know, I want more depth or, you know, I want more meat or something. And, and he insults you? calls you a jackass for that uh, and, and and doubles back on your giving or something yeah to me that that guy and and that attitude that's cancer well thankfully he stepped down for you know he was forced to step he had down no for business ever reason. being a leader he, he if that's a, his approach well and it seems too that I mean you to sympathize with people um, you know this anti-intellectualism that is the very pervasive in our culture now not just within the church but I think the reaction was against this sort of vacuous intellectualism, which means intellectualism devoid 
in um, a, a, a noble motive. It's devoid of a noble motive, meaning intellectualism isn't inherently a bad thing. It's just wanting to know truth, wanting to know things about the world around you, want to know how things work. But in order for it to be redeemed, it has to be pursued through and through the lens of Christ or through the person of Christ. And if Christ is removed from the equation, then you are left with this sort of empty intellectualism. And it's just null and void, and it leaves you with nothing mm -hmm. to where you want to react against it. But then the reaction, as you said, the, the, the cure is just as worse as because the disease. Because the cure ends the up cure being... is also devoid yeah, it's of empty. Christ. It's devoid it's of Christ. Em instead of empty intellectualism, it's empty faithism. It, and emotionalism. So as opposed so, to arguments for argument's sake, you just have faith in faith. Yeah. And faith for faith. And, and both are, you know, because, again, I think when you talk about this anti-intellectualism and you talk about faith, just faith for faith, again, you're having faith in faith. There's not any, there's not the intellectual component involved. The propositional truth about the person of Christ seem to be gone. Well, Do you it, see what I'm saying? So it, it's, we don't have faith in these propositions. But the propositions are necessary to know the person that we are to have faith in. And so I think that that, you know, I mean, in terms of a critic criticism of fideism, because if you just got to believe, well, believe what about whom? You know, that's my question yeah, to the fideists. What it, am I believing? It's what, and, who? and then it is, it, is, it is the why. And it comes down to talking uh, about critiquing fideism, because that's what we're doing this podcast. Yes. Uh, our final podcast, at Although least, I feel as, like as I far as the critiques. Although I feel like I critiqued an awful lot in the first one, yeah, so I did. apologize for we that. Did. I don't think I failed. I, I didn't act, well, accurately I, you represent know, it. Here's what it comes down to is a couple things. I mean, number one is a, a biblical anthropology and trying to understand why did God create us and how did he create us? And, and you look at statements like uh, from Jonathan Edwards, although I, I asked... Uh, uh, and a Wurzian scholar one time, whether Jonathan Edwards ever said this, and he said, it sounds like him, but I can't ever find the quote. Uh, but it is, uh, the heart will not receive what the mind does not believe or the, what the mm -hmm. mind rejects. And so the whole idea here is that ultimately, um, it, it, the, there's, there's a connection between the heart and the mind. There's not a separate component right. that you have that you actually believe. Your, your heart doesn't have cognitive abilities. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, an anthropology or a biblical anthropology might approach it this way, and this is the way that I would critique it, is to say, first of all, can you really believe something without using your mind? I would say no. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, it's a... Yeah, this, what, this false dichotomy, like a lot of preachers are like, you got the head knowledge and you don't have the heart knowledge. You got to <laughs> yeah. make that the how many inches journey, uh, that we say, yeah, between yeah. the head and the heart. I think a lot of people think that too. Is And... And, you, and the error would be on both sides, right? I mean, it's technically, it is. It, it would be possible to have assent, if we're using the different, remember, yes, going back yes. to faith's components, yes. a sensus, right? Yeah. It, it would be possible to have a kind of assent, I think it would be, maybe I'm wrong, without um, having the real trust. Oh, yes, for sure. But, but is it possible to have the trust part without the knowledge at all? Yeah. The noticia. Yeah. And, and then that's where I think you're saying... How can that even be possible? Because it's like it's like you know we said uh, fideism is all the rage. It is in the culture at large when they approach religion. How many politicians and when you talk about public people say, "Well, he's a man of faith. That's a person of faith." No one ever asks faith in what, because you're not supposed to ask that. And yeah. frankly, you're not supposed yeah. to care. 
Yeah. And there's not a separate cognition either. I think we've come to understand this scientifically, but we should have always known this biblically, is that there's not a separate cognition as if you have a spirit brain and then a <laughs> real mind over here, and they're spirit warring brain. against each other. Yeah. I, you know, we, 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 we have a really bad dichotomy. I think it's because well, like of some the, things the in the flesh and the new, spirit and all The new international yeah. version talks trichotomies about the nature. Quintonomies and whatever we have two else natures, But we don't have two natures. We have two energizing forces in one nature and so the we we don't have two brains we have right. one brain well we have the we have a human nature and that human nature while broken and <clears throat> in conflict with the spirit which means truth with god we also are functioning with renewed faculties that he's also given us by way of, of you know coming to faith in christ by our conversion so that partic- that human nature it's just, it's at war with itself, so to speak, in terms of the renewed mind is still at war with, you know, those sinful tendencies. So that's kind of like, there's not like two different parts. There's they, not two natures, no. yeah. It's you just know. it's just the one thing. And so we, we take this and we say, okay, what do we see from the Bible, the way God created us? I mean, not, not only that, how did God, if you look at scripture as a whole, how did he react? Did he look like a fideist? And I would say, absolutely not. I mean, he is continually i mean he's he's oh i mean he's going above and beyond in some respects i mean maybe you'd say he's not quite so much now because he's gone silent in some ways that he wasn't silent the same way in the old testament although i I have some things to add to that but he is always coming in and making a footprint he's always coming in and giving evidences he is always coming in and 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 uh, coming down upon the nation of Israel for what I believe to be their fideistic approach. And you said something yeah. last time that is so important because I, I think this is this what really gets me going about this is that if we go to fideism, if we go and say, well, it's not really about evidences, it's not really about using our mind, it's just about this blind leap, then we have just... Uh, neutralized all religions, right. and we have no real reason for going with Christ more than going with Muhammad or or right. Allah or any yeah. other. And faith. welcome to welcome to today's general understanding of religion that most people have that they're all just basically on equal footing. So in some ways, you're selling out things that are so beneficial. Yeah. It's kind of like what if what if you had uh, what if you had a football team that you were sure was probably better than all the competition, but someone said. I tell you what, let's not actually take to the field. Let's just say that, let's just say they're all this they're all equal and give them all uh, first place together. You would say no. It's in my interest to take the field because yeah. I think we're better. And and the Christian belief has so much and well, going then, for it in these ways, right? But see, the thing right? is, though, and the thing is, then to carry that analogy further, the fans of the respective teams can just continue on thinking that their team is the best because they like that. And, and non, non-football fans just and, think all the teams are equal. Yeah, as they look or, in, or, as they or look even in. just silly because it's a stupid sport. So obviously we're talking mm-hmm. about atheists, right? You yeah. know, Or they that's what they think. I'm not saying football is a stupid sport to anyone. I think mm. all sports are... You know, Puma! Uh, anyway, yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not. No, I'm kidding. But anyway, um, then see, that's another thing that, that everything's been relegated to equal footing and everything's given the same credence because of the intellectual component that's been removed to where it really is whatever floats your boat and whatever, you know, if you need that to mm-hmm. make you feel better, if you need that to get through the hard times, 
you know, that's that or, you know, or romance novels, whatever really is, is your comfort. That's sort of what religion yeah. is relegated to. Um, you know, I would say in a large part of the culture, they tend to view religion that way. Well, I'd say it's an assault upon God. You're, I mean, an insult upon God, really. I mean, it's an assault upon Christianity because we take away really the the defining difference. But it's an assault upon God because it says, you know what, whatever you did in the past, I don't care. You know, I don't, you know, you, you, yeah, you rose from the dead and you came back for 40 days and you showed yourself that I don't care. I don't need any of that stuff. Never have. Don't, don't need it. Um, I'll, I'll just take uh, this blind leap. But, but Israel in Isaiah 4, I think Isaiah 40 through 48 is one of the, greatest passages of scripture because of the character of God that comes out in this and the way he, just the way he shows his humor, especially when we read it, the new, new international version. But after he is talking to Israel about worshiping other gods and blocks of wood and doing like the nations do, like you said earlier, just basically equalizing belief in him along with belief in these other guys saying there's no real reason for us to uh, worship Yahweh or give him more hours of the day than we do these other blocks of wood. And he says, he says, nobody stops to think. I, I just pause right there. I just say, stop to think about that. True enough. You know, I mean, nobody stops to use their mind as he's, as he's getting on to Israel. No one has knowledge or understanding and says, wait a minute, half of this wood I used for fuel and even roasted meat and I ate. Shall I bow down to a detestable thing? And the other half, um, I say, save me, you are my God. And so <laughs> yeah. God's just, he's making fun of it. It does sound kind of ridiculous when you put he's it in like, those terms. <laughs> you're not even thinking. You, you're well, you're worshiping this part and then this other yeah. part you use to make your dinner. Are, really? Right. What? How is that even rational? That's what he's saying right he's there. He's saying it's irrational. Is that yeah. right? And so I think God has created us in a biblical anthropology with a mind that yes. says, you better think. You it, better yeah, compete. It doesn't sound very spiritual to put it this way, but I mean, we were given common sense, mm. right? Well, we were given his image. And, and when, I even would go so far as to say a failure to use his image rightly and rationally is sinful, clearly. That's an example of, uh, you know, the noetic effects of sin on the mind, right? Yeah, the, yeah. That it impacts even our very thinking to yeah. where it, it, something as silly as, you know, using wood for an idol to make your dinner. Well, then I what mean, of that's that just... passage? What of the passage in Hebrews? Because we have to deal with that. Oh, right. The, okay. What of the passage that says the defining moment of faith in the scriptures, Hebrews pull 11. Full, one. We'll pull up the full context first off. Okay. That, I'm, that I'm, might I'm at help. Hebrews 11, and I'm going to start and just pause here for a moment. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. Okay. Um, l- let me ask you guys, is that, is that, why is that not a promotion of Fideism. Well, well, by itself, by itself, it, it can is, mean anything. Well, by I think there is a how should I put this? There is a measure of pro- promotion of fideism in the sense that faith will faith is clearly and obviously taught and instructed and commanded throughout the Bible. So when if we if we sit here and say as I think we do that in the end we do not ultimately subscribe to this method of apologetics that is not that that does not mean we're saying faith is dumb that doesn't mean anything to you 
uh, Christianity is all about having good arguments. That's not what no, we're saying. No, I would never say that. That is not because look, you can th- those components of faith we mentioned, the noticia, which is I'm using no Latin terms, That's but fine. you know noticia. the knowledge. So you you know the content of the faith. There's propositions, right? The core about of the Christianity. Then that are true. there's the ascensus. That is, I agree. I yep. I say that's true. But that last component, we would be totally wrong if we said that last opponent doesn't matter as much. And that is the personal, the fiducia. That's the Trust. that's where you actually give yourself to it. That's obviously well, taught in the but, Bible. But the, the the thing is, and this is why the reformers help us so much with their sort of uh, threefold distinction of knowledge mm-hmm. and faith, really. Not knowledge, rather, but faith. That um, these other two components, you can't have fiducia without the proper fiducia, biblical right. fiducia, without the other two components. And you can't have uh, prop, you know, biblical faith um, with only uh, notitia. Right. So all of these things are working together. Well, so let's put and it for there's the not for like the a way they understand as far as this notitia because we're throwing these around a little bit. I know that we're trying to explain them. Let's put it in simple. It, let's put it in simple terms. You've got a chair, right? You look at the chair and you say, that's a chair. That's knowledge, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's easy enough. No tisha. I've got knowledge that that's a chair. The next step is you've got a, a census. Now I'm going to look at the chair and I'm going to kind of shake it around, yeah. turn it upside down, look at the, look, test it out, look at the screws, nuts, and, and bolts. Yep, and then you it's say, a chair. I'm yeah. confident and that this lay, chair can hold actually me. hold me. Yeah, it's made so, to hold me. So I've got will. evidences now. And the last part is simply sitting down. Have a seat, brother. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, in a sense, that's the leap of faith. It's the seat of faith. And that's his. But that's why, that's why, in some ways, you know, you mentioned this a second ago about human beings are, we're we're fiducia creatures. I mean, and that's, that's, that's why Isaiah is ridiculing people because he's saying, you're giving yourself to wood. See what I mean? Like, you're, you're giving yourself to it. You're believing in something. But it's not you're, worthy you of it. You have faith in something that, yeah. that hasn't proven you're it. You're placing pr- trust it in it. You're, you're taking that wood you cooked your dinner with and you're right. going, save me, I, I wholeheartedly yield to you. And then to par- right? yeah, exactly. And to parallel though, go going back into the Hebrew passage, this sort of faith that we have, it, it's faith for the future. It's faith in the midst of, of darkness to where the person that we are clinging to has proven himself right. time That's and it. time again to be trustworthy and and, and and worthy of our faith. Well, and I no? defend sometimes. Yeah. Well, let me say, I, I, we sometimes will talk about people like Kierkegaard, for example. Mm-hmm. Well, in isolation, you go, oh, come on, this guy, what was he what's his deal? To? But yeah. on the other hand, I very much sympathize with him in some respects because, you know, he's living in Europe in the in what's starting to be a post-Christian era, and he looks around him in Denmark, you know, and he says, I got a state church, everyone's baptized into it, and uh, it doesn't mean a thing to anybody. So, so ostensibly, all the people in his community have the knowledge, you know, it's all around them, they're... They have the tacit agreement. You know, if you ask them all, they're all going to be like, oh, yes, 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 yes. But, but he, that last component, he thinks mm. none of them have it. And so yeah. that's why he emphasizes this leap, not, not because you're just reckless, like, I just leap out there because I'm a fool. But in his analogy, he was no lightweight, you're leaping toward a trusted voice. You're, because the voice is saying, jump. And he's saying, all these people around me claim that they're the real deal. And he's basically saying, they're not. Because none of them will leave their feet. And I'm saying, you have got to jump. And if you don't jump, then you don't mean it. 
Right. If you don't sit it's, in the chair, then I don't. Then, and then see, it doesn't. Carrie, Carrie, you mentioned earlier that this is evidence of things future, and I think that's so important when we look at this passage in Hebrews eleven. Now, faith is the assurance of things hopeful, hope, hope for, which I think goes right along with what we were talking about in evidentialism. It's it, it's an assurance. It's a it's assurance built. Uh, upon something. It's a conviction of things not seen. That doesn't mean in any sense that it's a conviction without without testing it, without looking to it. You're a blind faith. Without warrant. It's It's the thing that comes down just a little bit later whenever it says, all these in verse 13, died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having them seen uh, uh, from afar, meaning I believe in the future. I believe what God, I, I believe right now, I believe that Jesus is coming again. You might say, well, Michael, why do you believe that if you're, if you don't just take a blind leap? I say, because the, the source that I'm getting it from has proved himself trustworthy. And whenever somebody has proved themselves trustworthy, you don't have to ask them at every turn or at every comment or every promise. All right, you're going to have to evidence that all the time for me right. in some way or another. We eventually do sit down in that chair and we say, you know what? I believe that God is trustworthy. And at some point, you're going to have to come to the conclusion. I believe that the book of Revelation is true or Matthew chapter 24 is true. You know, I can work through that on your own. Mm -hmm. But once you do sit down with these individual components of your faith, then you're not saying, I have to prove it every second. It's already been proven because of the trustworthy source. I mean, scripture itself is a, is evidence is an argument for the trustworthiness of god yeah. and so when we look at all these various approaches to apologetics and 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 i think can see how we can benefit from them uh in one facet or another that really they're arguments for god's trustworthiness mm-hmm. so it's not like people are are necessarily coming to the faith because of an argument but it, it what it is it's revealing how trustworthy god is to where you can you can trust him you can believe in him and you yeah. can cling to him and have faith in him um so i think that's that's kind of one way to look at just argumentation it's just speaking to the trustworthiness of god yeah. and never forget again what jonathan edwards said the heart wants what it wants yeah just kidding he didn't say that no. <laughs> well and you know i was going to say something too with the great awakening Oftentimes we look back to that as though is this just emotionally fueled movement, but Jonathan Edwards well, was the at the heart great of that. Awakening more than anything else, first great awakening. Right. No, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, although, oh, pa- I see what you're right, saying. Because I'm like, well, wait a minute. Because although, although Pascal did say it. the heart has its reasons, which reason does yeah. not know. And in some contexts, well, see, I don't it's like that. Absurd, but what you were trying to do in every single uh. one of these guys, like Kierkegaard and mm-hmm. like Tertullian, you're trying to put them in a context, and you're saying there's a context in which I might say that as well. Right. But but what we're talking about, I think, what it all comes down to is, okay, you, you've got to have those three components. You've got to have the chair. I believe that's a chair. I have the knowledge that somebody's told me that's a chair. It's objectively <laughs> not a snowflake. That is the notitia. <laughs> yeah. Then you have to have the conviction, the ascensus, where you're at least to some degree confident that that chair can hold you up. And then finally, the, the trust uh-huh. is where you sit down in the chair and you've got to have all three of those. And we have all three of those to different mm-hmm. degrees. Sometimes we're sitting in the chair and we have real no conviction that it can hold us up and we need apologetics to make us more confident. And there's some people out there that are listening to this and they say, you know what? 
I've been sitting in this chair for a long time and I've just always believed, but I've never really had that much confidence that it's true. And we're giving you permission. Not only giving you permission, we're saying this is a mandate by God because of the way you're created and because of how he has communicated that you are to get more right. confidence. And then there's there are those people out there that believe it's a chair, believe in Christ. They, they are even convicted that he rose from the dead. I know so many of those people. I mean, we live in Oklahoma, for goodness sake. <laughs> and they've never really sat down, or they just kind of sit down. You know, they don't really trust in him. They don't really trust fully. And I say, why not? I mean, it, it is if, if it is true, then it's worth everything. If it is true, sit down and take that final step, which is the fiducia or the trust. But all of those, all mm-hmm. three of those are part of faith not just the last one. And the Christian's ongoing life, of course, still continues, as you said, to involve all of those. And while so many people think that it's those other ones, those intellectual parts of it, that are the hard things, we always emphasize that that's the hard stuff, all those questions. I would would say that that's actually not true. Mm. I think the last one is actually the hardest. I think the intellectual stuff, if we just took the time and effort... Isn't the isn't the real problem? To me, it's that last component. It's you got to you're supposed to still trust God that He knows what He's talking about. To me, don't you think? Especially re, some things you've written recently uh, have essentially said this much, right? You're saying you've said to people in recent days, the the intellectual stuff is not my problem here. Mm. I still you know I can that because because that is what that is objectively yeah. speaking. Yeah. But that last one, that's the roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, so, so the, but, but I think that we can say that honestly, we can say that and it's true. But as our approach overall, none of us will end up saying, therefore, <clears throat> therefore the fiducia or the faith part, that's all that counts. Just go out into the world and just tell them all, believe. Yeah, well, are we, is that it? I don't know, you tell us, man. No, we have another minute or two. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. Out. I was yeah. just going to say, though, that the Pascal quote that you quoted earlier, what was it that... The heart has its reasons. Reasons. Which reason does not know? Is which, that how he says it? I don't I don't know what the context of that know. is, yeah. but I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And I'll tell you why. And this happened, I was at a C.S. Lewis conference, and it was the, what was it called? The Rational Romantic. I think that was the mm-hmm. name of it, but it was on who C.S. Lewis was. And I had this thought... And this is what I was going to share, uh, that we're rational, emotional, and volitional creatures. There's never a moment in which we stop reasoning, feeling, or doing. All of those are constantly happening simultaneously, right? Uh, and that's what I said. All these occur incessantly and simultaneously. And it's the goal of the Christian to do these things in a godly manner. It's the goal of the Christian to do these things after Christ, imitating him in thought, feeling, and deed. This is the greatest commandment. So I would say that... <clears throat> I don't believe even the faith that we have is devoid of intellect or emotion. It should not be. Mm-mm. Faith is the act of the will. It's a, the volitional aspect. And it is also tied to the emotion and the intellect. So I, I, I to, to bring a, a threefold uh, distinction into the mix. If I can remember so, this next time, too, because I think that's a good point to bring up, Carrie, is that I, I think there's going to be people, and we've got to talk about this next time as we sum up the uh, entire series, there are going to be the people out there that I, I know so many, and they're they're just never going to grab a hold of the intellectual the way that I might, and and run with it the way that I might, and 
And then there's other people, and they they just not built that way. They don't think that way. They but it's don't the greatest. It's the, it's the greatest commandment to love the Lord God with your heart, soul, strength, and mind. So it is the goal of the Christian, like I was saying, to imitate Christ right. in this. But we all don't all to, have all three of those components. In but the same but we're to strive to right. it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, and, and then there's going to be other people that are. Uh, that's the point. Very the intellectual. And that's that's mm-hmm. what they do, and kind of the pitfalls that each one of them can mm-hmm. get into whenever we're talking but, about. But this yeah, stuff. what I'm getting at is that the goal of the Christian, it doesn't matter. That's how things are. I mean, we're not saying that the way no, things no, are is how they ought to be. No, what I mean though is that we do recognize that there's going to be people that lean more in this direction or that direction. But as fellow Christians to our other Christians, we need to encourage them to do all of these things to be sure that we're not just isolating one aspect of um, the greatest commandment to love the Lord God with all your strength, like in your actions, or to love Him, you know, with your heart emotionally or just to love him with your mind it's all of those things so that that's kind of what i'm stressing and that's the basis of uh reclaiming the mind ministries credo house ministries isn't it to to pursue the the greatest commandment definitely thanks for listening if you're enjoying theology unplugged let me tell you about some of the other resources we have available visit us online at credohouse.org and browse over 2,000 articles on everything from the Crusades to gay marriage. Sign up for email updates and get the latest news, event announcements, and special deals before anyone else. Connect with us on social media. Just search Credo House on Twitter and Facebook. And you can always email us at theologyunplugged at credohouse.org. We want you to be part of the Credo community. Please partner with us in making theology accessible and pushing back the intellectual attack on Christianity. Thank you.